From pillar to post and coast to coast. This is a one-man gang. You're listening to a book. Hey, do you watch wrestling? Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to fight! Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Matthew Terry. This is the It's Time to Fight podcast. Thank you so much for clicking on that play button. I sincerely appreciate every single click that that play button gets. Uh, We're going to do away with uh, a little bit of the levity, a little bit of the the, the hoopla, I suppose, uh, that we usually try to inject into the monologue uh, of this podcast. Uh, Today is a simulcast. It is a simulcast with Cornerstone Wrestling Podcast. Today, they, or I guess more accurately, we, are uh, are putting out the exact same episode. Now, I say we because uh, Cornerstone Wrestling Podcast is another podcast that I do uh, with my co-host, Ryan Allen, uh, formerly known as Tyler Logan, in the Ottawa wrestling uh, scene. Um. Now, if you're wondering why, why are we doing a simulcast, you're not alone. Because my co-host Ryan, when I asked him, hey, do you mind if we simulcast this episode, he asked why. Um, I, I, I try to let Ryan, for, for lack of a better term, I let Ryan drive Cornerstone Wrestling Podcast. Um, Ryan is a lot better at this podcasting thing than he gives himself credit for. And he has a much better mind for this podcast thing than he gives himself credit for. And so I, I kind of let him drive that podcast for for another reason. Um, to, to kind of... I, I don't want to pigeonhole Cornerstone podcast into the same kind of vein as this show... Because, to be totally honest, I have a bad habit of doing that when I am doing similar projects. One project will look very similar to the other project because when I get a good idea, I stick on that on what I think is the best idea. I'm kind of going off here. Uh, so let, let's kind of bring this back to where I want it to be. Um, Ryan asked why. Why would we simulcast this? Because he said, well, don't you retweet our stuff anyway? Like, doesn't It's Time to Fight retweet Cornerstone stuff? And we do. Um, But the fact that I retweet it doesn't necessarily mean that my listeners to this show necessarily follow me to that show. And... I know that because I see the numbers. I see the numbers for both shows. I see the demographics or the analytics, sorry. Um, I know that the numbers are, are not the same. I know that the, the listenership of this show doesn't follow. Um, and that's not, that, that is, I guess, simply why I want to do the simulcast. Because by taking that show from. Cornerstone Wrestling, and this this show belongs to Cornerstone Wrestling Podcast. Not not legally, but this is their show. I am reproducing a Cornerstone Wrestling show. Um, I, I, I am saying to the people who are listening to my show, who have taken the time out of their day to listen to It's Time to Fight today, I'm telling you guys that this is an important episode. This is something you need to listen to. This is something that with my whole heart, I want you to experience. So do me a favor. We have Mike Roch on the show. 
on Cornerstone Wrestling Podcast, simulcast right here on It's Time to Fight. Mike Roch, who has been on this show before, uh, he's joining Ryan and myself. We are talking about Frank Moran, who most famously was known as Stinky the Homeless Guy. Um, Frank passed away from cancer a little over 10 years ago. And this Saturday, C4 Wrestling holds their 10th Fighting Back event. The event raises money every single year in the memory of Frank Moran, Stinky the Homeless Guy, to fight cancer, to fuck cancer, because cancer stinks. I know that personally uh, as a cancer survivor. I know it sucks rocks. So it, it, we do tell some funny stories. We do share some laughs. There is some somber moments. I'm just telling you that up front. But uh, again, I, I, want, I want as many ears to hear this episode to... To celebrate Frank Moran, Stinky the Homeless Guy, Bash Bison, whatever you want to call him. Uh, if you never saw him, never met him, then you you truly missed out. Not just not just as a wrestler, but as a person. And this is something I am learning after the fact. I I only met Frank once. Um, he worked a show that I promoted, um, but. You know, in the aftermath, after the fact, I am learning more and more, and I want all of my listeners of It's Time to Fight to learn more about Frank Moran, Stinky the Homeless Guy. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to waste any more time. It is time to fight with Ryan Allen, myself, Matthew Terry, and our special guest, Mike Roch. Auto Wrestling fans, have you tried Brew Revolution yet? Come on, you need to patronize our sponsor. Brew Revolution has been making beer taste better since 2019. They are a craft brewery and beer hall in Stittsville, Ontario. 30 taps offering a huge variety of house-made beer plus numerous guest taps. They also offer cider, mead, wine, and craft soda. Add in delicious eclectic food and live entertainment, and you've got a little something for everyone. Check out the menu, pick something up curbside, and enjoy. Follow them on Twitter at BrewRevOt. Visit their website at www.brewrevolution.ca or stop in 6081 Hazeldean Road in Stittsville, Ontario. Okay, so here's my story to kick things off. Um, we were we were talking offline here. I have a seven month old baby, COVID baby. There's a, a dozen of my that friends. That sounds wrong. It's a, it's I have a COVID baby. People have COVID babies. You know, we we I have <laughs> I have a COVID I have baby. A circle of friends, and they're all having kids right now. And this is like the start of January when my kid was born. Up until next January, babies, babies, babies. So I've been to more like co-ed baby showers and like huggy and chuggy events than I've ever been to in my life. And just organically, a couple of weeks ago, I'm at one of these events and a guy is talking about like cheap entertainment in Ottawa. And he goes, you know what, for my money, for, for, in my opinion, for my money, there's no better time than spending $20 and going to a C4 wrestling show. Have you ever been to a C4 wrestling show? And of course, like I'm sitting in this circle, right? And I'm just like, oh my God, like this guy has no clue. Um, <laughs> so we get talking and um, I ask him, are you attending the, the show on, on next Saturday fighting back 10? And he says, yeah, absolutely. I, I love C4 shows. And I, I said, like, 
how long have you been following the promotion? Oh, about four or five years. And I said, okay. I was like, I'm just curious. Like, do you know the history of fighting back and, and why there's a fighting back event to begin with? And uh, he said, no, I have no clue. I you know, never even bothered asking really. And, and just it, go to enjoy the wrestling. So, you know, in my mind, like it's been 10 years, right? And there's probably a huge percent of the fighting back audience or even just C4 fans who they weren't around back in, in 2011, uh, 2012, during the first few, few years of fighting back. So to a lot of fans who are coming to these shows today, I, I think, you know, maybe the meaning of the event has, has something got lost over time, given the amount of time and just the turnover with the fan base. And as we go into fighting back 10, I just, I wanted to put it out there, right? Like, share some good memories of Frank, of Stinky the Homeless Guy, and really reflect on why this event happened in the first place and, and why we come back together uh, as, a, as a community, I'll say, uh, year after year to, to celebrate Frank's life. And, um, you know, we planned on having Mark on before the show, but with the nature of this year's card and kind of keeping it under wraps and it's going to be a smaller card, um, he's saving his appearance for, uh, you know, when C4 relaunches in November. But, you know, the next name that pops in my mind, Mike, is, is yours, because I don't think off the top of my head, there was anyone who um, used Frank as a promoter more than you and, and was closer to him as a friend on top of that. So um, I'm, I'm thankful that you've uh, made some time for us today to just share some good stories and memories of Frank. And that's kind of just, you know, how I wanted to kick it off and, and welcome you and say thank you. Well, thank you. That, that was cool. Um, yeah, I think that a lot of people don't know we're fighting back started or like, you know, the reason why we do it. But I mean, I think that everybody's been affected by cancer in some way. So like they could, they could come to this event and, and, and it could be for their own reason. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're helping raise money for cancer research for somebody that they lost, you know, not just necessarily somebody that we lost in Frank. So. Yeah, that's, it's, it's totally true. A great point. And like, I know, you know, every year effort is made to, to really, um, hype up the fundraiser in advance. And I mean, I remember one year you uh, were, did your own fundraiser. I contributed to you shaving your head, I think. I did that a few times. Yeah. Uh, I remember one time it raised like a whole lot of money. I couldn't believe it. Like I was yeah. insane. So if I were to go back to sort of the, the beginning with Frank and and you would have met him back in the CPW days when he was Kid Supreme. Yeah. And, uh, before he was but, Kid Supreme. Like, what was he before Kid Supreme? It was just Frank. It <laughs> was just Frank. Was just okay. Francois, just man. Francois. Before he added the PH to his name, I knew him. <laughs> like, so yeah. yeah, like you've known him forever in a day. And, you know, I, I don't know if the story's out there necessarily. And I'm, I'm skipping ahead just a little bit. But um, tell me, like, how did Francis Moray Frank become Stinky the Homeless Guy? Who I think, you know, when we look at back at his career today, that's who we uh, refer to him as or associate with him the most in terms okay. of his wrestling personas okay so this is a pretty uh ridiculous story um at one point i had two gimmicks in mind for isw isw's if anybody is not aware um it's interspecies wrestling it's 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 just dumb wrestling you know like we just we just put silly gimmicks on people like you know iron sheeps and uh <laughs> make them do crazy things in a like <laughs> <laughs> crazy things in a wrestling ring and i had two gimmicks in mind uh one of them was going to be a homeless hitman who um it was going to be kind of like the apa in where in which you either give him food or money and and he helps you take care of whoever you need taken care of um and another gimmick was going to be uh <laughs> another gimmick was going to be julius caesar but a chicken and his name was chicken caesar um Frank was originally going to be the chicken and the guy who ended up playing chicken Caesar, his name was Samson was going to be uh, the homeless guy. Like he didn't have a name yet. He was just the homeless, the homeless hit man. So then uh, one time Frank got drunk at another show and he started telling people, Hey, I'm going to be the Caesar chicken. <laughs> and I was just like, well, no, you're not anymore. Like you went around telling everybody, I'm not going to, put a mask on you like 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 spend money on a gimmick and throw a mask on you if you're gonna you know tell everybody that it's you so i'm like you're gonna be the homeless guy and i was like i don't know what your name is gonna be and he just goes i don't know 
stinky and we're like all right cool yeah we'll go with that stinky the homeless guy so uh that's how he became stinky the homeless guy he he like that that character definitely took on a life of its own like he uh he ran with it like he would film silly little videos and stuff and uh yeah he was awesome it was awesome like he it, he he fit the gimmick so naturally right like it just it was almost like you forget he's Frank because <laughs> we just Absolutely. call him stinky, right? Yeah. I mean, he, I feel like every gimmick he took on when he was wrestling, people got behind. Like he, uh, he was Van Voltage, which was just like his masked, like murderer gimmick. Like he was like, he just wanted to slaughter people and act like Vader. And like people got behind it because he did big moves and, you know, he was naturally charismatic, even behind a mask and people loved it. Uh, when he decided to wrestle without a mask in Ottawa and, and, and not be stinky, he took on the name Bash Bison. Bash Bison, which was an inside joke between him and Uno because Uno worked at a Videotron store and he had a customer named Bash Bison. And he thought, that's the greatest name ever. And when he told Frank that name, Frank just said, his jaw dropped and he said, that's my new name. So... <laughs> Uh, there was a spot free on a show in Ottawa and he used like, like he wasn't even, he was booked to be stinky, but like he wanted to try something else and he just put together gear. He like, he like wore different people's elbow pads and stuff. And he just came out as bash bison and he got super over out of nowhere. Like anything that guy touched was gold. Honestly, it really was. And I'm not just saying that because he was my friend. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Mike, the, the only time I got to meet Frank uh, person to person was the time that, uh, you know, Donnie and I co-promoted the show. Yeah. And that, that may have even been the first time that I had actually seen uh, Stinky or Frank. Um, I, I've said it before on this podcast that the first time I met him, because like I, I heard all these stories of, and about, you know, how, you know, rambunctious he was and how, you know, he was a hugger and how he was like oh, always talk, 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 talk. And I said, really? Because the first time I ever met him, I walked up, I said, hey, it's good to meet you. And he just like, okay. Yeah, like he, he became more of a talker when he drank, that's for sure. Like he loved everybody. Like I said, he went around telling everybody, I'm going to be the Caesar chicken. Uh, at one point, like I told him that he was going to win the ISW title. And he went around telling everybody that too, because he was drunk and he was just so happy and wanted everybody to know. And I'm like, well, you can't win now. Like what the, what the fuck, dude? Like, yeah. So was it, was it the alcohol or was it that it took some time? Cause I tried talking to him. Like I, I said, like, okay, so you guys are good. And he was just like, yeah, he's one of those people that on like first, the first meeting he's shy. He's like me. Like yeah. I'm shy as hell when you first meet me. But then once I get to know you for like an hour, I open up and uh, you, you can't believe you, you almost, you almost like think that I'm a different person than the person that you met an hour before. That's how Frank was as well. That's exactly what I was was saying to Matt a couple of weeks ago. Like the first time I met him, it was, you know, your stupid traditional soft handshake and hello. Yeah. Then, you know, once you get to know the guy, that handshake's gone and he would just wrap his giant arms around you with the biggest hug. Even, you know, you'd only he met him might twice even before kiss that. You. He might even <laughs> kiss you. Depending on who you are, you might even get a big old wet Frank kiss. Um. Uh, as I was saying, like, that's the only time I really met him. And that's, I think that's the first time I saw him. And then that's when I really started getting into the, uh, to the ISW DVDs and stuff just to see like his progression. Um, what, what did like, when you first saw him, what exactly did you see that said, like, I'm going to make something out of that guy? Uh, the first time I saw him, I didn't really think anything because first time I saw him, I wasn't even thinking of starting a promotion. I was just trying to get into wrestling myself. He was a, he was a wrestling school student at CPW right around the time I went there. And, uh, he was super young and I always just made fun of him and said he looked like Gerard Depardieu because he really did. It was really weird to me. And I, I kept telling him like, you got to make that your gimmick. And he could barely speak English. He learned English through like hanging out with us in wrestling, like, and I mean, if you listen to his English, you could you could probably tell. But uh, but yeah, like I don't know, he was just like one of the sweetest kids ever. I I immediately like like I was like significantly older than those guys too. Like I was like twenty two years old. I think that I think that Frank and Uno were both like fourteen, hovering on fifteen. 
And I was like, these kids can hang with me anytime they want. I, I fucking love them. You know, like they had that, that personality. They were hilarious people. Um, especially Frank. Frank was just ridiculously funny. Like even when he wasn't trying to be like. And if I'm not mistaken, Mike, like this goes back a long time, but you know, when they started breaking into the business and you were promoting and you're, you're very proud of them, of course, yeah. uh, didn't you refer to Frank and Nick as your kids? Those are my boys. Yeah. Those are, okay. yeah. Everybody. But you, weren't you dad? Different you people dad, in wrestling you? have their wrestle dads. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, I would venture to say that like, like you guys, you guys love Dave Dalton. That's, that's your wrestle dad. He really is. You know, like I had, I had Frank and I had Uno. Those were my boys. Uh, I mean, through the years, I, I've, 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 I've gained more wrestle sons. Uh, Cecil Nix is my wrestle grandson. Um, <laughs> uh, I've got a son in Portugal, Nelson Pereira. Uh, I've, I've, I've got a lot of babies. I'm a, I'm a big old pro wrestling baby daddy. You're spreading your wild oats across the nation. That's internationally all, all over the world. I've got, wild, <laughs> wild seed. I've got, I've got freaking bros in different area codes. <laughs> um. I can't help because Stu and Uno and Frank, they seem to always be like uh, a very tight knit group. Yeah. I might be getting a little ahead of us here, but, you know, God willing, if Frank was here, you know, could you, could you see him still with, uh, with them and what they're doing? Um, I, I, I could see him doing big things if he was still wrestling because, he his progression was insane. Like every year that passed, he got better, 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 better. I think that he'd be somewhere, but at the same time, I also don't think he'd be wrestling because towards the end, um, he was kind of backing away from wrestling because he had had an, a head injury. So I think that he may have just not wrestled anymore. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um. But yeah, um, I think that if he did stay wrestling, and like, I mean, if he was still here with us, if if he was still involved in wrestling, as I'm saying, yeah, he'd he'd be somewhere. He'd he'd be on TV, or you know, he could he'd be working the big U.S. Indies. Like he was already getting to that point. I mean, he yeah. had he had debuted in Chikara before, right before the end of his career, and uh, he was working on our shows in the United States as well. So you know, like. His name was growing, growing, growing. And I think that's why Fighting Back is so big is because people really, like the people like that still know what Fighting Back is and why it started, they loved that guy. Um, his, uh, like it's, it's weird to say this, but like his funeral had more people at it than most independent wrestling shows I've been to. It was insane. Like that doesn't surprise me. Like he touched a lot of lives, right? Like he was like, I've said it before on the show. uh, I can't think of a single person in my time in wrestling who had any crossword whatsoever about Frank. No, like just a universally loved guy. And I feel like everybody has at least one person who says, you know, something bad about them in wrestling, even if it's the most minuscule thing too. Right. Right. It could be very minor, but. And, and it yeah. was never, it was never Frank. Like Frank was nope. just universally loved, you know? I want to just circle back to something you mentioned, Mike, about like his um, progression in wrestling too, because you know what? Like it, it was fairly quick. And for a guy who in all honesty, like didn't really work a ton, right? Like he worked right. ISW, he worked, eventually he got to a point where he was working some IWS and as you said, Jakara, but like for the most part, he, he, you know, he'd work the shows where his friends were locally and, and not much else, but like he was so smooth in the ring and especially at his size too, naturally athletic, physically gifted, strong as a bull. Like he had a lot of tools in the toolbox to, you know, to really, uh, go far in the business if if that was the path he he went down and could have gone down. So, uh, you know, I, I it's it's pretty amazing. Like my short time in wrestling, right? I got to wrestle him on three separate occasions and all in different contexts. Right. Uh, I worked a singles match against him. Um, that was I think a, a show you co-promoted, right? With um, yeah. Rage Wrestling Entertainment way back. Yeah. Um, I, I recall working a tag match against him with uh, uh, myself and and Muhammad against uh stinky and i believe flip de burger yep 
And then uh, again, uh, for the in the dying days of Dave Dalton's UWA as, as Bash Bison. Um, and, you know, each and every match was different, but every single time you just get in there and you're just like, man, Frank, you're so good. Like, you're so talented. <laughs> <laughs> he really was. Yeah. And, he, and like I said, he only got better. Like, dude, if you knew the plans that we had for him, if he like stuck around in wrestling, because I mean, he left wrestling a little while before he got sick and we had plans for him. Like he was going to be the guy like my plans were I don't even I haven't told a lot of people about this, but um, Kevin Steen was going to beat uh, Stinky, the homeless guy for the title or not. I mean, Giant Tiger for the title. And then he was going to feud with Stinky, the homeless guy. And that was going to be the most ridiculous like feud ever because that would have just been two big boys beating the ever-loving shit out of each other. And I really think that would have broke him out. But he uh, suffered a head injury in an IWS match and couldn't wrestle anymore after that. His, his family actually asked him to stop wrestling. Yeah, that, that would have been amazing to see because, you know, we talked about that lovability factor with him, right? And and the fans felt it too, right? Like he was, even though he was a big guy and could hold his own in the ring, he had that lovable underdog quality to him, right? That you wanted to get behind and you wanted to cheer for. So to see him go toe to toe with Steen and have Steen laying into him and, you know, him selling, the fans would just have gone bananas trying to I, rally behind him. I think that Kevin would have made him completely. Yeah, yeah. That would have but I, you know, he, he did have some pretty like significantly big matches in isw if i remember yeah, correctly like did he not was he not in the first ever uh i don't know if we're allowed to say this mike fans bring the the bleep uh, weapons match colored <laughs> uh no he was in he was in the uh the second one against uh against flippy burger and uh arguably one of our best ones like i i still i still show that match to people and it was from 2009 like that's insane to me. Like yeah. that, I don't watch a lot of my old stuff. I don't think it's good. I don't think it translates well in twenty twenty one, and um, that's a match that I could watch over and over and over. And yeah, he killed it. He absolutely killed it, uh, as he always did. Because you know he's wrestling. He's wrestling his best friend, and everybody knows that when best friends or brothers wrestle, they beat the shit out of each other, and they did. Um. And yeah, like uh, I, I talked about before about the, uh, the the match that or yeah, the match that was on the show that Donnie and I co-promoted. I can watch that triple threat over and over and over. Just I yeah. was in absolute awe of that match. And that was uh, zombified player Uno and Stinky. I can watch that over and over. And something I, I know what what I latched on to Stinky. One thing was his natural reaction to what happened in the ring. Um, like if he lost his hat and I don't know if like that was uh, much of a gimmick thing, but you could just tell, like, if something didn't go quite right, he didn't panic. He didn't, you know, you wouldn't have thought you would have thought every single movement that he did was meant to happen. Right. Like his pants could have unexpectedly fallen off and he wouldn't have had a clue that it was going to happen. And he would have just kept going and just, the, the the reactions of that guy were just impeccable. Like he didn't panic and he just was so smooth from thing to thing to thing. Yeah, that was him. He was, he was smooth and he had the best entrances too. I mean, like for one, he came out to the littlest hobo theme song. Like that's, you know, shout out to Canada. Um, <laughs> and you know, like people in the U S they didn't know that song, but when they heard it, they associated it with him. So when it would hit the speakers, they'd go nuts because you know, Stinky the Homeless guy is coming to the ring. He's going to have that giant, like, signature smile on his face. And he's going to be, like, you know, slapping every fan's hand. And they, they love that. You know, they love the fan interaction. And he was all about it. He was, he was the king. I, uh, I was in a Canadian tire getting my oil changed. And I remember the Littlest Hobo came on the TV. And I'm not blowing any smoke when I, the first thing I thought of was Stinky. And... Then there was this Asian gentleman about 20 feet away from me. And as the show played on, he just started losing his nut. He's just like, look at this dog. Look at this dog. <laughs> and I'm like, look, and I wanted to say, like, first time you've seen this show. Like, he's like, oh, my God, this dog is amazing. 
he's Canadian vagabond lassie. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he like saves the day and then he just wanders off. And it's like yeah. the saddest thing in the world because his dog doesn't have a home. He just goes from little Canadian town to little Canadian town to, to help people. And then he's just like, you know, he's gone. You, uh, you brought up uh, Stinky's entrance. Um, and uh, of course, like he took the hat off and he, uh, he, 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 he took some donations. Yeah. Um, was that something that he just tried that just took off or? Well, that was, that was part of the gimmick. Like, well, I know was, that was like, part of the gimmick. No, no, that, like, that just, was. Like, like people like, were uh, into it. Like people. Oh were... yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the first few times people were just like, eh, like what? No. Like, you know, they treated them like they treat normal homeless people, which is sad as hell, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, but then after a while, like, it's like they would bring change just for him. One time he worked an IWS show and, and the plan there was for him to sit in the front row of the show. And then excess was going to come into the ring and basically open challenge to anybody who in the crowd who wants to fight him and he was going to be stinky but they couldn't make sense of like like i i, I asked i'm like like how are you going to explain a homeless guy sitting in your front row where do you where do you get his ticket so lacor and i also rest in peace lacor michael ryan um we came up with the idea where he would panhandle outside before the show hoping to get enough to buy a ticket he got more than enough to buy the ticket. Actually bought brilliant. the ticket. And I love that. So like a bunch of the fans came in before him. And when he came in the front door holding up his ticket, they <laughs> lost it. Lost it. It was one of the coolest things. I, I, had, know, I told you I, I got into the DVDs. I don't know which one it was, but it's showing him on the entrance and somebody, like you were saying, people would bring change for him. Mm-hmm. They went to hand him change and he got a look on his face, just kind of just like, oh, oh, okay. Like he still had his hat on. Yeah. Like he wasn't even looking for it, but he's just like, oh yeah, thank you. Like, and, yeah. and that's why I was saying earlier, like he had that amazing ability to just embrace that gimmick. Right. So, you know, say what you want about wrestling and, you know, suspension of disbelief, but people, bought into his character and he did as well right and that's why it works so well and then ideas like that too that he would just take it and run with and then you get these beautiful organic moments where he walks into the building with his ticket to a a pop (laughs) yeah i I mean it also it also didn't hurt that he was handsome as hell so like he was like a homeless heartthrob coming to the (laughs) ring and you got all these girls just going absolutely apeshit for him and handing him money probably their phone numbers as well who knows but like if like, you need like, a bed to stay in tonight, sir, you know. That's it. <laughs> like, uh, you got to, you have like a queen size mattress in that yeah. cardboard box. Like, <laughs> yeah. Did he ever express any goals to you in terms of what he was hoping to accomplish in wrestling? Because I no. always just, I always just assumed he was just such, you know, an easygoing guy, and whatever that's will be, will be, right? Yeah, that's and, it. And I, I don't know if he had any, you know, long term or even short term goals, but he I really... thought. Yeah, he really didn't take it super seriously. You know what I mean? Like it was just something he did for fun, you know, like, like, like he had a life, he had, you know, like a girlfriend, he had like his job, he had his apartment. He was good. He didn't, he didn't care. Like if he got booked on the weekends, awesome. He was happy about it, especially if he was with his boys, like, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, Rahim Ali and, and Uno and Stu and me. And like, when we were all together, it was just, it was a party, no matter what was going on on that show. But like, like we had the best times and uh, yeah. I think that's all he was in it for, man. He was just in it for, you know, the good times and the great memories, the Colt Cabana style. Yeah. I, I've, I've said before, like one of the, you know, the, the blessings in, in hindsight of UWA was when CPW closed its doors and um, we were sort of the students like myself and, and Chaz Lovely and Jay Rukin. Um, we would tell Dave, you know, like there's, there's a few good guys, like really good guys. We get along with them. They don't have a place to train anymore. And I'm talking about Raheem Ali and Uno yeah. and Stu and Frank. And, um, you know, eventually we said like, Dave, like, like bring them in. Like we want to work out with them in the gym. They're good experienced guys. Uh, in addition to that, like we don't have enough bodies to put on shows. So these are guys who could, you know, fill a roster spot too, when you do run and, you know, like had that not have happened, it's, it would be, 
I think a totally different picture today in terms of just who connected on the scene and who didn't, because that allowed that that door, so to speak, to open to these guys. And they came into our gym and not only we've become like good colleagues in the wrestling business, but a lot of long term friendships, too. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm grateful that we kind of we were hired on Dave right, to just bridge that or let that let that burning bridge with cpw just fizzle open, out open and, that forbidden door oh i knew you're gonna someone was gonna say I that i cringed I that I yeah but, but like, you know when has it, when has when has like a promoter on promoter feud ever been good for work right and that's you know that's what we told dave too and like you know for myself and matt gray and jay rook and the three of us were breaking in and, and there's not a lot of places to work. So we had a conversation with Dave. I remember distinctly like talking with Matt Fortune and Fortune yeah. was telling me um, he wanted to, to book a trio against uh, Stupefied Uno and Kid Supreme. And yeah. we, we talked about the three of us coming in. But like the big thing was like, OK, well, we got to talk to Dave first because there's this there's thing right between Dave and CPW. But. Um, you know, just going back to the the original point, like I'm I'm so glad that you know we were finally able to to get through that and get through the you know air quotes here promoter war, um, and and be able to develop those relationships with uh, with Frank and Uno and Stu and, and Rahim Ali as well. Um, you know, where did I want to go from there? I, I wanted to mention too, just you know, looking at his his time with you in ISW, like a lot of different matches, a lot of different interesting matchups is there anything that sticks out to you as sort of like you know maybe your your top two or three memories of frank uh in isw oh man top memories of frank in isw <clears throat> well definitely anytime he wrestled uh flip because like i said brothers best friends you're always going to get a war there like they're always they're always just going to go hard on each other and just absolutely beat the crap out of each other you know and that always ends up being a good time. I mean, uh, if you don't believe me, watch every see Briscoe versus Briscoe from Delaware, the one where they were really drunk and just beat each other's heads in with chairs. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen that one. Yeah, I'm basically like a backyard show. It's yeah, fighting like only brothers can. Exactly, and that's and that's how they did it. Um, also, I really liked his matches with uh, Muhammad the Terrorist Cow because they also brought the best out of each other. Like, it's just it, like the CPD thing like it's it's he trained with these guys forever and then even with like other gimmicks and stuff and working gimmick stuff in they still killed it like like um i don't know it was just awesome uh what else did i like of his um he almost wrestled eddie kingston once because i had booked uno versus eddie kingston and the week of the show uno's shoulder came out i think for the first time he's he's had that shoulder problem for years now where it just slips out of place um <clears throat> one time he wrestled for me it happened twice in one show he worked two matches both matches his shoulder slipped out but anyway his shoulder slipped out for the first time he's telling me he's like i don't think i can do it i don't think i can do it so i called up frank and i was like look i'm like i know that you're you this is gonna make you nervous because like frank was an also like he was happy and he was talented but he was also like a, a self-doubter like he didn't really think he was anything special a lot of the time. And I mean, it's good to not have an ego, but he had like a negative ego to, to a point. And I had, to, I had to like convince him. I was like, dude, you're awesome. Like these people love you. Like you're great. You're killing it. And uh, so I called him up and I asked him, I was like, I was like, uh, can you wrestle Eddie Kingston? And he was like, oh, I don't know. He's like, I don't know if I could do it. Like, uh, like uh, I don't know. He, he actually said he didn't know if he was good enough and i was like are you fucking kidding me i'm like you hold your own with literally all these guys in isw who wrestle guys like eddie kingston on a regular basis like jakara and whatnot and i remember he called me back and he was like yeah i'll do it like he was just like like pumped he was like i'll do it then it didn't end up happening because uno ended up uh working him but uh yeah um I think that was actually the night of his final match in ISW. Stinky. It was in 2000. What was his final match? Wait, it was in 2010. It was a four-way with, I think it was, it was, it was uh, Twiggy, Bamboo the Panda, and uh, Pinky Sanchez. And okay. Frank won. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I think that was 
his last match. Nice. Yeah, that was his last match. Nice. Because that was in 2010. And in December of 2010 was when he told me he was sick. So. All right. Uh, I, I, I kind of corresponded with the, with Ryan before we did this and we, we wanted this to be a celebration of Frank, but you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask, like you, you said, that was his last match in ISW. And then you said he, he sustained the head injury uh, elsewhere. And then he stepped away. How long was it before that, that you, that he found out or that you found out? Did he keep it to himself? What was his attitude like? When he was sick? Yeah. Um, I didn't find out from, uh, from him at first, actually. Somebody else told me. I think it was Addy that told me. Because um, he didn't want to tell me. Like, he didn't want to tell me specifically. He knew I would take it hard. So, like, eventually I got a message from him. It just said, um, hey, I have cancer. That's it. And I'm like, okay. Well, I'm like, what kind? He goes... Oh, it's, they say it's testicular. I'm like, oh, you're gonna beat it. Like it's fucking easy. Like you're you're gonna you're gonna kill that shit. Don't worry about it. Don't stress. You know, like think positive. You're gonna you're gonna get through this. And um, I think at first, like that was the belief that he was going to get through it. But then it started spreading and spreading and spreading, and it got to a point where like he was told, you know, I have a year. Like you have a year left. And his response to that was. Well, if I have a year left, I just got to make it the best year ever. Like that was legitimately his response. Like he wanted to go around and do uh, food challenges, like like eat giant burgers and shit. Like, and at the at that time, I had lost a bunch of weight, and I was like, oh fuck! Like now I'm gonna have to go eat fucking burgers and like gain it all back. <laughs> and I was ready to do that shit for him because it was Frank, man. I would do anything for Frank. So. Then like the, like the year turned into like, you know, a few months. And then it turned into like a month. Then it turned into any time. Like four months after he got diagnosed, he was, he was gone. Yeah. My memory of that time is, is you know, it's, it's faded for sure. But um, I, I just remember, I think it was Marx told me he, he was sick and, and, it wasn't, it wasn't very long, um, in all honesty before, you know, we got the, the really bad news, but you know, something you said there stuck out, stood out to me too. And, and that's just his, his attitude, right? Like you get the worst possible news of your life. And you said, well, I'm going to make the best of it. And I'm, I'm just right. going to, you know, keep a, a positive, upbeat attitude. And that's kind of how I, I remember him to this day. And it's, I don't remember him to this day because of that. I just remember him as that guy right who was just right. always in a good positive mood you could not see him and not smile like it was impossible to just not feel over you know maybe not overjoyed but to not you know be happy when you saw frank because he just he he alluded you know, he had that glow to him right. um where it just you know seeing him brightens up your day and and still to this day uh you know i i don't pretend like i was his best friend in the business or anything but i, I knew him and uh, anytime i think of him i i still smile right i still cherish those memories of the time we got in the ring i still cherish the memories of you know going for a meal with him after shows and stuff oh, yeah. like that um just a you know wonderful human being and you know i don't i don't know if we're quite quite wrapping it up or not but you know for me it's, it's like that's why you still do this event year after year after year right is because he oh, yeah. he made that impact on people that had it was lasting it wasn't just you know a few years go by and you, you think about him and move on but he he has this lasting um impression that he's left on so many people and, and so many lives that he he's impacted that you know every single year it, it's worth getting together and and not only remembering him but as you said to kick things off right is uh, anyone who's ever been in his shoes, um, so, you know, here's a story like uh, when he was in, when he was hospitalized with his cancer, like he spent his you know final days in a hospital. I went to see him twice. And the first time I went to see him, he was like really skinny, like he lost a lot of weight in the hospital. And I'd never seen Frank skinny. So it was really it was weird to see. But he's sitting there and he's just like joking, like making jokes. He's like. He's like, it's okay. He's like, he's like, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be gone soon. I'm gonna be in heaven. 
Uh, he's like, I'm going to go hang out with like Mr. Perfect and all this stuff. And like, he's naming all these wrestlers he's going to hang out with. And uh, he goes, and I'm going to haunt you. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, I'm going to haunt your house. He's like, one day you're going to get out of the shower and on the mirror in the steam, you're just going to see hi with a smiley face. I'm like, all right. He's like, yeah, I'm going to be in your kitchen. I'm going to be making you breakfast when you wake up in the morning. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to hang out with Mr. Perfect and we're going to make you perfect pancakes. That's what he said. (laughs) And, uh, it was insane. Like, like this guy had like the most upbeat spirit and he knew he was, he was, his days were numbered, you know, and he, he didn't lose that. You know, he didn't lose, he didn't lose no. Frank. I, perfect pancakes. I, I don't, I don't even know how to follow right. that up. <laughs> right. Um, I will say this though. Um, I went to see him four days before he passed. Uh, it was the day before we had our first ever boner jam event. And uh, I remember just telling about the show, like, I oh, mean, I wish you could, I wish you could be there with us. You know, the show's called Boner Jam. And like, he was just like, kind of happy about it. But then like, something happened and his mood just changed. And he was just super sad. It fucked me up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, God, yeah, I could imagine, right? Like, you don't, you don't know him any other way, right? And then. That would that would be a hard pill to swallow to see him like that, but you know I guess thankfully if there's any blessing it's that he didn't have to uh, have too many more days like that. Right. Yeah. So it was it was like like dude I miss that guy. Yeah. I myself I'm a I'm a cancer survivor I'm a survivor of testicular cancer, and it, it's very humbling uh, to hear about Frank. Frank, Frank uh, is gone, and how uh, how how does fighting back come along? Like who um, who think, mentions you know, it? It's, who it's, who who's behind it? I think it was an idea that everybody had. Like Mark was the one who executed it, but different people were talking about doing this kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like like I remember I I I we all went to dinner one night. We went to, to went to wild wing. It was like everybody. There's like an iconic picture of like the entire group with Frank. And, um, like I remember leaving there with, uh, Cecil and we're in his car and I'm just like, like, yo, we got to do something. We got to put on a show or something, you know, like, and then like nothing really came from that. We just had that conversation while he was, while he was dropping me off. And then Mark had the same idea, but then Mark actually got the wheels like like the wheels moving i mean this is his city like this is this is mark's fucking city okay it really is wrestling wise like like this is ottawa c4 city like c4 is is world renowned now you know mm-hmm. like yep. like there's people who watch c4 every fucking day on iwtv all over the world um i wish acclaim would get on iwtv to be honest if i can go on that rant for a second because i did commentary on a bunch of shows for them and they need to release that shit and put it on iwtv they did some good shit I mean, look, Ottawa is a fucking wrestling city now. Like, mm-hmm. we have two promotions in this city that consistently uh, sell out. That's insane. Yep. Like, yep. did you did you think that would happen back in the day when we were fucking in shitty like interpromotional feuds with CPW and UWA? Did you ever think that would happen? No, we would never have a sold out show ever. No, <laughs> not no, even close. Huge. This is huge, you know. But um, yeah, Mark put it together. He got the he got the wheels rolling. He somehow like got like that beautiful venue uh tudor hall like mm-hmm. i don't know how he managed to get that place two years in a row for us um i i i did what i do best you know like like i kind of have like a like an internet following type thing and uh i monetized that for fighting back you know like i i did random stunts to raise money like shaving my head or um like any like like uh, I had a show before fighting back in which we raised a bunch of money as well. Um, we put a lot of money into that first fighting back. And Were you commentating the first fighting back, Mike? I did some of it, yeah. Okay, because I one thing I battle royal. We, that's right. Yeah. We, so one we, thing I was we did the watch along there. He was commentating yeah. the battle royal. One thing I was mentioning when we went through the first fighting back one card was uh, I I don't know if you are aware of this, Mike, to this day because you would have been at the commentators table, but. Um, the ISW match, it was a, a sellout at the curtain because yeah, everybody. <laughs> no, 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 not Loki's match. God, no. No, no, no. Uh, Loki, Loki was uh, Loki was. He was there. He, 
because he's yeah. all about the fucking panda for some reason. Yeah, no, he loved that. He was, you know, for a guy who takes the business uh, so seriously, yeah, he was all about bamboo. But uh, yeah, I think we all kind of knew that was going to be a special match because of two of the people who were involved in it yeah. and just how much stinky meant to isw too right yeah like that was our guy like yeah yeah like you'd almost say like you know we we all obviously think of frank and all of his gimmicks but you know stinky was a homegrown isw talent and i don't know you know you'll you'll have to think here with me mike but how many guys can you say like you know, were kind of ISW made that went on to have careers. And even though it was short, albeit short, but careers based on their ISW characters. There'd be um, stinky and I don't know, like the are there many boys. others? <laughs> Definitely. The bad boys ended up like can't argue that in the US and stuff. So yeah, they're they're doing all right. Yeah. Um other than that, no. Like I can't really I can't take credit for anybody. You know what I mean? I wouldn't even take credit for Frank. I put a gimmick on him. He was himself, you know, like it was all him. Like I, I, I didn't, I didn't like tell him to do anything with the gimmick. You know, I was just like, you're going to be just a homeless guy. He put the whole look together. He did all that. That was all him. You know, like I can't take credit for anybody. No, but I think you should take credit for the idea because that idea has created a decade worth of fun memories about Frank. Well, yeah. I mean, I think Frank created the memories of Frank. So, I mean, if I helped facil- facilitate it a little bit, that's cool. I'm glad I could do that. You know, but like, uh, yeah. I mean, Funny Mac is Funny Mac's awesome. Funny Mac is super special to me. Always will be. Um, um, and I w- like, as you said at the beginning of this, I wish more people knew mm-hmm. what started it. Like, like that it's you know Frank. Mm-hmm. Like like what he used to do and i'm pretty sure i'm sure they'll play the video i made for the first fighting back before this one as they always do and people will get a glimpse of who he was who didn't know who he was before want to support this podcast follow it on the twitter gimmick at time to fight pod follow the host at announcer terry i'm a ring announcer i'm a damn good one Visit our website, www.itstimetofight.ca. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, email us at timetofightpod at gmail.com. October 22nd to 24th, It's Time to Fight presents Wrestling with ALS 2021. A weekend full of wrestling podcasts from worldwide, a live wrestling show presented by Moonshine Branded Wrestling, stand-up comedy from members of the wrestling community, and much more. The whole thing will be live-streamed. The wrestling and comedy will be open to the public, and every dollar raised will benefit the ALS Society of Canada. Check out our website, www.itstimetofight.ca, for information or email us at timetofightpod at gmail.com.